You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 441 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Meg Gutcha is a Ruby on Rails application developer at Penn Medicine with a passion for open source. She will talk with you about it all day if you let her. She's always smiling, continuously learning, and quick to strike up a conversation. Meg is also an active member of the virtual coffee community, a core team member for Ruby for Good, and a Flatiron School alum. She takes her advice with a grain of salt and a shot of tequila. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, Meg. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks for having me. That is one of the most colorful bios that I've had in a while. So, of course. Oh, God. (laughs) So, of course, I definitely want to hear your developer origin story. Before I became a developer, I was an admin at an IT recruiting firm. So I was kind of on the other side of things. I got to see what it was like for developers to be approached and to like try to get them jobs. And part of my job was to advertise for that, put out stuff on Dice and LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. But I had no idea what any of this stuff was. What's a BA? Java, that's JavaScript, right? That's the same thing. And so I was like, I don't want to make us look stupid. So I uh, researched it and saw that this developer stuff is pretty cool and actually got into maintaining our company website a bit. And I cut my teeth on Bootstrap. I think it was like Bootstrap 3. So the HTML, CSS, and JavaScript stuff really hooked me in. And I was kind of thinking, I could probably do this. So I did a Coursera course. It was web development for everybody. And it was just kind of like, you pay $50 a month, I think, and get a certificate at the end. Just wanted to see if I liked it. And I really loved it. So... After I was finished working as admin there, I researched different boot camps. I didn't want to go back to college. That was, I was done with that as enough. (laughs) (laughs) And I landed on Flatiron School. It looked like it had a really good program and they had a self-paced program, which was great for me because I couldn't really afford to just stop everything and do six to eight months full-time. God bless the people that can, because gosh, it's going to be difficult. (laughs) But yeah, their program was really good in the beginning. I really liked it. They had a lot of support with the instructors holding Zoom lessons and kind of office hours and stuff. But unfortunately, Flatiron was owned by WeWork and Everyone knows that we crashed. So, yeah, the support got jostled around and us self-paced students kind of felt left in a lurch. But we banded together and basically helped each other out and did a lot of study sessions together. And it felt towards the end we're like self-paced slash self-taught, but... It was an overall good experience and going with the self-paced route allowed me to slow down at parts where I didn't understand things and 
also take opportunities that I wouldn't have time to do otherwise. Like I was actually working three jobs the whole time. One of them was consulted for the ice sculpting website. I did like mobile development for that and SEO. And another one later on, I took a consulting Ruby on Rails position and all that was while I was still in the boot camp. So it was really cool that I was able to get those opportunities while learning. Meg, that's just incredible. I mean, the amount of ambition that you needed to have to not only be working, but then to be doing this program part time. And this is, I'm assuming, your first experience with Ruby and Rails. But then to be taking on these consulting clients, I'm sure that had to expedite your learning just because these clients are paying you. And so if they have a problem, you're actually getting real money to learn and figure it out. But I'm sure that was a lot of pressure for you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) One of the clients I actually had a relationship with from before at the IT consulting firm, her business is social media marketing and she does just general marketing as well for it was tech focused companies she's branched out into other industries but we knew each other and I told her SEO I don't know anything about this and I straight up honest with her and she's just like oh you'll figure it out you're smart you'll figure it out (laughs) I'm just like okay (laughs) If you want to pay me to do this, I guess so. It's just but, that you need the people who believe in you and think that you're going to get there. And so I'm assuming you graduate school and you get more experience and now you have your role at Penn Medicine. And so I'm so curious what you're currently doing there. Yeah, I'm application developer at Penn Medicine. I love it. So I'm on two different teams there. One of them is working on applications for billing and I guess for when people apply to create studies and run their studies. It's like a system that takes the applications and puts them through this application process to when they're reviewed and whether they're accepted or not. And then the other team is infrastructure team. So It's dealing with a lot of apps that support the school of medicine that touches both the hospital system and the university. So I'm learning like so much. It's ridiculous. It's like every single day there's something new. And I was like so excited to get this job. And it's awesome to be able to go to work like today just flew by because I was coding the whole day and like I'm so close to finishing kids. oh my god but yeah it's really great <laughs> it's a good reminder to everybody who's listening if you haven't felt that joy in a while then you kind of need to sit back and figure out how you can get back there Yes, not every ticket, not every bug is going to be your cup of tea and you're not going to feel that joy but sometimes you need to remind yourself as you are learning or you're in your beginning jobs, just that joy of getting something done and being so close to finishing and getting that passing test. It's a good reminder, Meg, that we should never forget that joy. So Meg, what topics do you feel that you missed out on by going through a boot camp? Well, 
boot camps are traditionally in and out, like get this extremely fast for cheap and then you'll become a developer and everyone will want you. And that's a very rosy colored glasses view of boot camps. It does definitely happen for some people. There's a lot more work that they don't advertise (laughs) behind the scenes. And I think that part of that is like supplemental work. I know that (laughs) I definitely had issues with the curriculum. We had a test-driven curriculum where we'd learn a concept and then have a lab, which basically on GitHub, there's a repository with tests and you'd have to make them pass. And there were more times than I can remember, there were issues with the tests and people would have to fix them. Like friends of mine would be like, I don't know what's wrong and it's something wrong with the test. And part of that People would say, oh, well, you have to go and do your own research to figure out how to fix it and how to get it working so you can pass. And that was definitely frustrating as a student, but also it did help develop those research skills and go out and learn like, okay, RSpec, what is it? How do you rate it? How do you rate new RSpec tests? Because Testing is something that wasn't covered. There's something very small about it. Just like basic computer science concepts. There's definitely some that are covered that are in relation to Ruby and JavaScript. Those were the two languages that Flatiron covered in my curriculum. But things that were, I guess, a little more in depth, it was kind of, okay, you have to learn this on your own. And there is a postgraduate kind of thing that you can do. But by that time, I'm just like, I have so many other resources that I've had to go to. I'm out of here, you know? (laughs) I'm just like, I'm done. (laughs) You're ready to get experience. And so the boot camps are really great for onboarding you onto a framework or a language to help you build those first couple web applications. But there are some things that are missing. You're going to miss all those computer science fundamentals. You're going to miss maybe how to build a resume, how to interview, how to open a pull request that's meaningful, how to tie Mm -hmm. that to a ticket, how to write a ticket. I feel like that should be something that should be taught to everyone because that is an art. But I absolutely hear you. I'm going to take a moment to tell you all about Honey Badger's cron job and heartbeat monitoring. How important are cron jobs to your business? For me, they are absolutely mission critical. Honey Badger monitors your cron jobs and services to make sure that they don't silently disappear. When Honey Badger is quiet, life is good. Have you ever considered implementing heartbeat monitoring? Honey Badger also makes that incredibly simple as well. Honey Badger gives you a URL, then you call the URL. If Honey Badger stops hearing from you within the configured time period, they're going to go ahead and alert you. Honey Badger just keeps adding more and more tooling that all developers need. To dive into all of this, head on over to honeybadger.io. So Meg, as someone who was a bootcamp mentor, tell me about your pursuit of mentorship. Yeah, I created a tweet that asked, in one to two sentence, describe what a class is in Ruby. And it really took off. 
And it got me thinking. I had some good discussions out of some responses there, like threaded discussions. And it really got me thinking that I need to level up. (laughs) When I was hired by Penn Medicine, I was ecstatic. So it's like, oh my God, they're hiring me as a mid-level. This is my first full-time job. And they're just like, whoop, right to mid-level. But I feel like I'm definitely missing pieces that mid-level developers have. And I want to solidify that. So that's what I'm looking for in a mentor. Just like how to go forward from here and what pitfalls other people have hit that I can avoid. Because, you know, I create enough on my own. I definitely get into some trouble sometimes. I managed to break my environment on my work computer and my personal computer at the same time. So stuff to avoid doing that would be great. No, from a mentor and more kind of gearing myself toward a specialization, how to go about that. I've been interested in cybersecurity. I just don't know enough to (laughs) know what to do with it and how it relates to Rails or Ruby. And also eventually I'd really like to start serving like the senior citizen population in some capacity. I'm coining a phrase, if this doesn't exist, I'm trademarking it, copywriting it right now. You guys listening, don't steal it. (laughs) I'm calling it geriatric technology. All these people, like my grandma, but something pops up on her computer and she's scared to press a button. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. There's a really good SNL sketch that is Alexa for grandma. Uh, it's really, really funny. So yeah. I, no, I get you. And I think say what now? What is this doing? <laughs> They're just playing. Alexandria. Alessandra. <laughs> yeah. Very funny. But yeah, I agree. Writing code for that population is not considered the sexiest thing, but it is definitely the most needed thing because everybody wants to write software for millennials and for (laughs) TikTok generation. I don't even know a generation now that we're on, but (laughs) I completely agree with you. Now, I want to move on to a personal question that I wanted to ask you about. I know that you had a friendship with Mike Rogers, and I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, he was one of my best friends. I met him through virtual coffee, which anyone who's listened the past few episodes, Arlie is also a member of Virtual Coffee. And it's an international community that's online and language agnostic just for people interested in tech getting together. But I was on the Slack and I had some issues with getting something running on Heroku. And he saw that. He's like, oh, hey, I can help. Do you want to do a Zoom? And... So we did and we just started talking and that was that. It was like every other day, almost every day after that, we would talk on Zoom about just like anything. But he would show me like cool stuff that I didn't know about Ruby and Rails and talk about these presentations he's working on. 
he did some videos on YouTube and I know the presentations he has are up on his GitHub repo and he was always saying, if you like this, take my slides and give the presentation. I don't even care if you give me credit, just do it. Just tell people about it. He was just so excited about Ruby and Rails. I used to tease him and say he was like the human embodiment of a golden retriever. He's just like so happy to see people and be like, oh my God, I have something to tell you. This thing happened today. You just start going off. But yeah, he got in a bad accident and he passed away the day before Rails Comp last year, which like (laughs) nobody saw coming really. And it was really hard. (laughs) Losing a close friend like that's hard, of course. But like when he had moved to Memphis, I think it was like two marches ago in 2021 and to work at St. Jude's. And before that, he was interviewing different places for a Rails dev position. And he kept saying, oh, Dude, soon it's going to be you telling me all these stories and everything. And every time I had an interview, it was like, oh man, I wish I could tell Mike about this. And I hurt for you. I mean, (laughs) I know what a wonderful person he was in the community. He embodied both the Ruby and Rails community. It was a terrible loss for the community. And Meg, I love that you met through virtual coffee and that he made such an impact on you and you continuing to be a Rubyist is just a really amazing thing. And so I appreciate so much how much grieving that probably took for you. Yeah, it's uh, different. And I say that because, one, I never lost someone so close, but also I never lost internet friend. Not someone I would see in person and we go do things. It's someone that I'd see on Zoom and we do things like play games or whatever on Zoom. And it felt like a normal friendship. But like the people around me kind of were like, oh, wow, I'm really sorry to hear that. And then a couple of days later, they're kind of like, oh, you're still sad about that? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I am. Like a year later, I'm still sad about it. And I think that's okay. I think that's you remembering him. And so I hope for you that, yes, you're going to continue to be sad about it. But I hope when you hear about people interviewing or you see one of the golden retriever things that he used to do, that you, <laughs> you kind of smile. Oh, yeah. I know you're headed to RubyConf Mini and I hope you see things there that like make you think of Mike. Definitely. And that's something like I'm really excited about. And only way I can describe that feeling, like when I see something and think of him as this bittersweetness, because it's like, I so wish I could share it with him. And I know he liked this so much, but I don't want that to define my experience either with the Ruby on Rails community and the programming language itself. And 
I know he wouldn't want that. So I just lean on my friends that did know him and just remember him and his personality and know, yeah, he would have expected people to be upset, but he definitely would have been like, come on, guys, I'm fine. Just keep going. I love that. I think that's a really (laughs) healthy way to put it. Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. And to me, connecting developers and startups has been the best job in the world. When I founded Mirror Placement in 2006, I didn't know anything about recruiting other than what I had learned while growing my software agency. My developer colleagues really disliked recruiters. And since developers are just about the nicest people I know, I thought, what could recruiters be doing so badly that causes my good-natured friends to despise them so much? And it turned out a lot. Their horror stories included tales of jobs and companies that didn't exist, of recruiters not sharing the name of the company they were recruited for, and frequently, the anonymous, well-funded tech startup whose job descriptions sounded a lot like a word salad of technical buzzwords. I learned about having your resume spammed out to a dozen of companies without your consent. I heard of last-minute salary and title changes after many hours of invested time and interviewing. And I have to admit, when I listened to all of these tales, I couldn't help but think, it could be so much better. So I gave it a shot. And thanks to you, 16 years later, it is better. You've shown that radical transparency works and that for developers and startups, pursuing long-term relationships at the expense of short-term transactions is always the right call. Together, we've made a difference at hundreds of startups and seeing careers blossom and startups change the world has been a great privilege. And I am so thankful to you for giving me this seat and to Brittany for sharing this podcast. So I just wanted to say thank you for allowing me to help accelerate your career and your startup and to know that I'm rooting for you in the next step of your journey. Thanks. We're going to move on to another thing that you're involved in. Meg, I don't know how you have the hours in the day. I don't can- either. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on the core team for Ruby for Good. So we've talked about Ruby for Good. It's been a while. So for listeners who might be new to the community, what is Ruby for Good and how did you get involved, Meg? Ruby for Good is a nonprofit and it's an organization that actually is active all year. People hear about the Ruby for Good events that happen once or twice a year, but we do have teams that operate year round and we want to build an inclusive community and provide like technology focused opportunities for people to learn, focusing on underserved communities. We do this thing called skills-based volunteering, which is what we capitalize on in our events, where we get programmers and other people related in the tech industry to volunteer their time for a few days out of the year in this weekend and we'll work on these projects that are meant to help other nonprofits or charitable organizations. And it could be like a website, a software application, some sort of sign up for, and by doing this, it takes the burden off of the stakeholder organization so that they can use their time and money towards their end goal. And being a programmer or 
a project manager, a designer, we have these specialized skills that like not everyone has. So that's why it's called skills-based volunteering. And we just want to use that to give some good back to the world. People kind of relate the events to hackathons and they have like, I think they're the same family, except that you're coding when you get up, there's breakfast, you're coding, have lunch and you're coding and then it's dinner. You go to dinner, no more coding. The whole night is for fun, do board games, do karaoke. They had a bonfire at the last one and I made these, oh God, there's campfire banana boats, I think I called them or... Those sound delicious. <laughs> you like slice a banana down the log way and shove it with marshmallows and chocolate and peanut butter and cereal and whatever you want and wrap it in tin foil and toss it into the fire. And then it gets all melty and gooey and you scoop it out of the peel with a spoon. And it's just so good that it's sinful. <laughs> but yeah and how I got on the core team <laughs> I was just like hey Sean you look like you need help I'm gonna help you <laughs> and he said okay and I stuck around I kept bothering him and saying what do you need me to do I can do this I can do that because the first time I went to one of these events was 2019 in the summer friend of mine from Flatiron School invited me and I was just a baby Rails programmer. I just learned what scaffolding was. I didn't know much at all. And the people there still like took the time to explain things to me. They weren't like, oh, we got to get this done. Hurry, hurry, hurry. They were just like, yeah, let us know if there's something you don't understand. And We'll walk you through it. Everyone was so nice and just wanted to show you how to do stuff. And it was just such a welcoming and inviting and refreshing group of people to be with. So it really hooked me, that did. And it keeps me coming back for sure. I love that. So how can our listeners help with Ruby for God? Oh, they can... Go on to rubyforgood.org. That's our website. And there's a join us at the top. And it has like how you can get involved. We have a GitHub organization where we have our current projects listed. And since it's Hacktoberfest, hey, go on there and take advantage we're always welcoming new contributors. It's definitely helpful to join the Slack and rubyforgood.org slash join dash us at the bottom. There's a button to join us in Slack and just pop in there and you can find how to start contributing. And I just want to make it clear. We definitely love having new Ruby programmers join, but We'll take anybody who's interested and we really, really would love to have 
any project managers or designers. I think that's not stressed enough with open source that it's not just coders coding things. It's a lot of different facets that go into open source projects too. You know what? I did a hackathon before I learned how to code, which I was really intimidated about, but I was a product manager at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I rolled up and they're like, what's your role? Like, can you code? And I was like, no, but I'm a product manager. And you could see that they were like kind of dismayed. I'll tell you what, I was so needed because you <laughs> end up with all these people who can write code, but they don't have a direction or they don't have someone who's like figuring out what's a build. So I completely agree. And also you can have an amazing application, but if it doesn't look good, especially when you're doing a project like that, where someone might be evaluating it visually first. It is so great to have a designer. So I think that's really important to call out, Meg, for sure. Yeah. Even with a traditional hackathon where you're maybe getting a prize or something. I had a friend that just did one and he said only one of the judges was a programmer. So the others, they're like looking at it, like you said, the visual aesthetic and how easy it is for users to navigate and stuff like that. So you don't even know who your user base is going to be for that hackathon. And it's like, oh, but our code is amazing. They're going to be like, yeah, that's hieroglyphics to me. Like, exactly. They're not, <laughs> they're not going to be impressed that the login button works because they're yeah. not going to log in. Like they don't care. So agree. So as we start to wrap up, Meg, what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities? I love Ruby. I'm always trying to get people to learn it. (laughs) I go to a lot of meetups. Once the pandemic hit, I was just going to so many meetups just to get human interaction. And people just knew me as that Ruby girl. And I think that the Ruby community is super friendly from the interactions I've had. So to date, as far as the future of Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities, I can't really say, (laughs) but I do know that Ruby 3 and Rails 7 have a lot of exciting new stuff. And, And I think Hotwire is going to be a game changer for a resurgence with Rails. I think that the trend that I had been seeing is full stack Rails applications going to react on the front end and then slowly migrating the back end to something else. And if people just migrate to use Hotwire, there's not really a need to do that anymore. So let's see if that catches on. I really hope it does because it's so cool. <laughs> I agree. And for someone who said they didn't have opinions, you definitely have. <laughs> so, how can listeners follow you? I tweet sometimes. <laughs> it's Meg underscore Gutshaw. That's G-U-T-S-H-A-L-L. And I also have a GitHub that's Meg-Gutshaw, spelled exactly the same way. I do try to tweet things that are interesting. Most of mine are just kind of 
bolstering my friends and communities that I'm involved with. Well, that feels very on brand for you. So (laughs) (laughs) good vibes only. If you want to talk to Meg, bring them on over to Twitter and GitHub. Meg, thank you so much for joining me on the show today and sharing a very personal story, but also sharing your developer origin story. It was so interesting. And I am so excited to meet you at RubyConf Mini. Yeah, definitely. Me too. And if anyone's interested in being my mentor, you can go ahead and slide into those DMs or hunt me down at RubyConf Mini. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.